Welcome to the I Am Woman Project. I am your host, Catherine Plano. I am a creative soul adventurer, a modern day alchemist, and on a mission to empower the conscious people of this world, those who seek to learn, grow, understand, and become the very best version of themselves that they can be. Every week, we have thought leaders, change instigators, and inspirational human beings from around the globe that offer you profound teachings and recent discoveries from the world of neuroscience, positive, cognitive, and spiritual psychology to help you build wealth, health, love, and achieve lasting transformation. So join us here every week for new lessons on how to lead a life that matters, how to escalate your life after failure, and how to inject more meaning connection and resilience into your life and your business. As a way to thank our guests for their time, energy and wisdom, we would love to demonstrate our appreciation, gratitude and admiration. We would love to hear from you as to what was your key takeout from today's session by writing a review in Apple Podcast with our guest's name and insight. And when you do, Please make sure to take a photo and send your photo to support at katherineplano.com.au and you will receive a one-hour life coaching session for free, valued $500, to help you change your life for the better or to help you get unstuck if you are currently going through a transition or if you need a little motivation. Thank you. This week, as always, we have another super amazing guest for you. We have the beautiful Alia Lovely. Alia is an energy reader, spiritual teacher, and the creator and host of the Spiritual Shit Podcast, which has topped the charts, gaining a number one spot on iTunes, Spirituality in America. Growing up super religious, she found that a large part of her life didn't align with her own identity because as a child, she was having a host of spiritual experiences she couldn't explain that made her feel ashamed of her sensitivities. Seeing ghosts, hearing ancestors, prophetic dreams and her clairsentient experiences fell on deaf ears, were met with weird looks and criticized for their absurdity. She felt she had to hide the biggest part of herself for most of her life until a major move to New York City and an overdue divorce forced her to awaken back to herself and reclaim her purpose of this incarnation. She knew that it was time for her to claim a whole self again and since then she's helped thousands of people awaken back to their true selves through energy coaching, card readings, workshops and her podcast. It's now time to tune into this one very inspirational human being. Enjoy. Well, today I'm very excited about our guest. We've got the beautiful Alia Lovely. Welcome to the I Am Woman Project. Thank you, Catherine. It's so good to be here. Uh, it's so good to have you on the show. And for our listeners, uh, you can't see, of course, because we're audio only, but you should see Alia's uh, really funky background, amazing, <laughs> filled with crystals and the big sign of spiritual shit, which we'll talk about in the show, of course. 
Absolutely beautiful. But as we start the show, Alia, we always love to ask a woman of inspiration to share her unique story. So Alia, tell us, what inspired you to do what you do today? Well, it's a, it's a long story, but we'll try to condense it as much as we can. Um, I grew up in a very religious home uh, and a place where there wasn't a lot of space for some of my spiritual gifts. So from the age of five, um, I was very consciously being able to see spirits uh, and then people that I would call my guardian angels um, that, you know, like just kind of in passing and, and feeling uh, entities, if you will, having dreams and so on that would come true. And um, growing up super religious, there just wasn't a lot of room for things like that. Um, it didn't necessarily fit into the box of our beliefs of uh, our kind of Southern Baptist Christian American, uh, you know, persona. And so um, it's something I didn't really talk about a lot, but I knew that my dad also had, and so did my grandmother. So we were all very sensitive, uh, intuitive people. And when I was about 10 years old, uh, I had an experience that was really, really scary that um, it looked like someone like, uh, I thought it was my mom coming into my room and uh, messing with me with the covers and stuff, kind of typical what you see on like Sixth Sense or something like that. And uh, in the morning, uh, I came back to my parents and I was like, you guys were messing with us because my parents at the time were quite pranksters. <laughs> and so we wouldn't put it past them to kind of like mess with us a little bit, but not like that. And um, they kind of came back at us and say, no, we heard you guys slamming the doors and we heard you playing with this and we playing with that. And I was like, that wasn't me. That wasn't us. And so us going, having this back and forth, my dad soon realized, wait a minute, I, I know what she's talking about and pulled me to the side and said, I can see them too. And that was my first kind of like encounter with, wait a minute, like what, what I'm seeing and what I'm encountering isn't something that everybody can see, but it's just like me and you, um, because my dad wanted to keep it quiet and he's like, you know, don't go telling your friends about this or don't, you know, whatever people are going to think you're crazy. Um, in addition to, you know, at being at church, it's something that they, they deemed as demonic, um, things that, you know, spirits as you open the door and, and spirits are going to come mess with you. So, um, better, better not deal with that, you know? So it's something I shut down for a very long time and it came back in spurts here and there trying to get my attention, but it wasn't until I was in a really abusive uh, relationship, uh, marriage even, that uh, kind of woke me up. And so I started having a host of experiences. Um, we moved into this house that was very much uh, a lot of spiritual entities in the home uh, that were very much trying to get my attention, recognized that I was sensitive and started acting out. And uh, he would never believe me. He would always kind of like gaslight me and say, you know, like, oh, you know, you're crazy or you're this or that or whatever, until he started seeing some of the things happen in front of his own eyes. Um, so then I took this really big move to New York and kind of spread my wings. I ended up leaving that marriage while I was there. And I started meeting all these wonderfully aligned people that um, didn't have any shame around their gifts. It was very cool even to be a psychic or to be a medium. And you could be like, oh, yeah, I'm a medium. And they're like, oh, me too. And so it kind of felt like you found your tribe, you know? And so um, I started exploring a lot of my gifts when I was there, living there, and started to meet a host of people that would then uh, bring me onto my path. So uh, after a various amount of events of, you know, like going to sound baths and Reiki and crystal healings and doing all the kind of the things that people do when they kind of first awaken, um, I just started to be able to really hear again. Um, clear audience is kind of my strongest gift. And uh, I started to develop a really strong relationship with my grandmother who had passed away. And uh, a spirit guide um, 
who I spoke to very often when it came to like life decisions and what path to make and so on. And so, um, yeah, I ended up becoming someone who, who read cards for other people who do an intuitive, intuitive reading for others, uh, energy coaching as well. And really getting my, my feet in the ground for that. And then, uh, when I moved back to Kansas city, I, um, just kind of had this, you know, idea come to me very, aligned um spirit was like hey you should start a podcast you should call it spiritual shit so i feel like it's kind of cheating when i talk about the name because it's like i didn't come up with the name my spirit team did um but they said that people will be drawn to you because of the name it'll seem really accessible and i was like all right well let's let's roll with it um so since then i have gone to uh, i lived in bali for a few months before covid hit and had to come back and um during that whole process i was able to basically manifest um, my dream life, things that I've been trying to manifest for 10 years or so. Um, the lover of my life, <laughs> um, a new baby, a new home and a, a dream job through these, these processes of manifestation and healing. So, um, yeah, that's kind of my concise version of the story, um, where spiritual shit came from and kind of how I got to this place. Oh, there's so many questions bubbling up for me here, <laughs> Alia. We can go in so many directions, but I guess the first one is, as you were speaking through your um, your experiences, I kept thinking about when you talk about entities, right? How you moved into the home and you know they started playing up. Um, what are your thoughts about? clearing a space before you enter a space or clearing a space before you move into it because we, we were actually talking about this not that long ago with another guest about when you move into a home uh, you just don't know what's happened the history of the home you don't know if someone's passed right. away you don't know if somebody's attached to the home um, and then you know sometimes you experience kind of quirky things that take place without even mm-hmm. realizing what what is going on So I guess for our listeners, uh, when you're talking about entities, what exactly are they? And if you are experiencing that in your home, what do you do about it? Well, entities to me are just uh, other spiritual energies um, that exist outside of our um, normal, you know, plane, if you will, our physical plane. And um, those entities could be angels, spirit guides, fairies, uh, ghosts, um, you know, all kinds of fashions of those types of uh, people, if you will. And um, for myself, I very much am in the belief of of taking uh, fear out of it. So if you are someone who's kind of scary around spirits, um, I've I've tried I've tried to really shift how I think about spirits. And uh, in my own home, uh, especially this home, I've created a ritual where I walk through the home and say thank you all the time to the home. And thank you for the for what the home provides for us, like, um, you know, safety, a nice, beautiful place to live and so on. And what I found was is that the activity that I find that happens in my house now is more supportive of my spirituality than it was scary or fearful. Um, I know that in the past I've had entities get a hold of me because they recognized that I was sensitive. So it's like, you know, oh, someone can see me here, like get her attention. Um, particularly with the very scary entity that I encountered, obviously as above, so below. So there's a spectrum in which uh, entities can exist. 
And so um, there is there is a way to clear your home or you can kind of go through and do sage and do like a blessing. There's so certain rituals that you can do, uh, shamanic efforts where you can have a shaman come into your home and they can do some things. I've done some clearings in the house with um, singing bowls, uh, vibrational frequencies, uh, clearing out some stagnant energy because there have been certain rooms in the house that would feel very much like um, they had some clutter, energetic clutter in there. And I'm like, you know, let's clear this out. And the same way that you kind of dust your house, you can pay attention to your house in a spiritual way and uh, spiritually dust, if you will. And, uh, and then once you're, you're, you know, past that point, um, I always ask, um, you know, those of, uh, those who are of the light, uh, to be present and supportive in, um, my home life. Um, to be active, in fact, in my home life. And some other people may not want that, but that's very much something that I participate with because I recognize that the house itself has its own energy. Uh, the people who who put up the wood planks and the brick and you know so on have put their own energy into the home. And uh, I find that gratitude being one of the highest frequencies and vibration ends up ha- allowing me to live in a space where uh, those entities feel supported and support me. Oh, I love that. And so for um, our listeners as well, because you did mention about uh, you were in Bali, uh, you moved uh, because of Bali, but you are now in a position where you've manifested your dream uh, life uh, Mm -hmm. and it took you, uh, did you say 10 years to get Oh, (laughs) Um, well, I mean, things that I've been thinking about for 10 years, but from the process of um, my healing, I would say from when I was in Bali, I did a lot of healing work while I was there, very intentional. Like I wanted to clear some, some shit up. <laughs> and so, uh, in that process, then from, from when I came back, uh, in February, uh, March ish to when, uh, I met my partner, um, was, a, was from, uh, March into June. So a very short amount of time. What is that? Four months, five months. Yeah. 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 Very so, short amount of time. And then my podcast really popped off um, while I was in Bali. So that happened first. And then from there, I got pregnant um, in in August. And we bought our house in October. And uh, yeah, and it just keeps spinning. <laughs> oh, I love it. So what's your treat, Alia? What, how do you manifest your dream life? How do you manifest your dream life? Isn't that what everybody's looking for, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm going to give an answer that I don't think a lot of people are going to love um, because it is it is all in the process of real surrender, like real genuine surrender. And for me, I had to get to this place where I said, I have these desires. I've done the vision boards. I've talked it to death. Like, you know, I've written it in my journal. Um, I've, I've made it very clear and apparent to the universe. This is something that I want. But I had to let go of the, the pursuing of it at some point. Um, not to give up your dreams, not that you shouldn't take action because action is required. But at some point, there needs to be surrender. And when I got to the point where I said, um, you know, actually, like my whole life had come crumbling down. And it's always been my belief that when things really like start to mess up and, and the foundation really comes from underneath you, that that very transformational change is coming. 
So because I've experienced multiple like, you know, life ending kind of uh, life ruining, sorry, kind of uh, situations, I said, you know what, I've come from worse, like, this is okay, this is going to be fine, I'll find a way to pick things back up. Um, at that point, I had come back from Bali. So I had let go of my apartment, I had gotten, um, you know, had my stuff in storage, I had had, um, had to live with a friend for a few months to get back on my feet. Um, because of COVID, I didn't have, you know, the ability to be um, do most of my photography work, which is what I've done for the last like almost two decades of my life. And so I had to figure out like, okay, what's my pivot? I've always read cards. I've always done intuitive work, but it was always kind of on the side. And so that very much then shifted into the forefront job wise. And it's something I've always asked for, but it's not, I didn't ever have the, uh, the opportunity, at least that I could see where that was something I could do Instead, it was something I had to do at that point. It was like, I don't have any other choice but to like make this part work. And um, it was really eye opening to see that in that surrender of saying, OK, I, like I don't have photography as a means of, of job right now. I need to open up. What what would you have me do, universe? And they answered the thing that you've been desiring to do all along. <laughs> you've been wanting to put this in the forefront. You've been wanting to put more uh, work into your podcast and write a book and, you know, read cards for people and, and so on. So it really did uh, force me to open up and make space for what, for what my dreams are. A lot of times what happens is people don't want to make space for their dreams because they're always looking for the other shoe to drop. So when you have that contingency plan, well, I'm not going to quit my job until I, I'm for sure, for sure, for sure, this is taking off or whatever, you know, like you don't have enough space to, to make your dream job or start that business or whatever it is. Now I'm not saying be stupid with your money, you know, and that plan. Um, but at some point you have to take the risk and you have to make the jump. And so when it came to, um, my partner, in fact, I had a dream about him and, uh, he came to me in a dream and it even told me the timestamp of like when he was going to come, they didn't say a month, but they showed me he was protesting in a group of black men. So, uh, those of you guys who follow American news, you know, what kind of summer we had in 2020 and what was going on in the world. And so, um, I ended up meeting him during that particular time. But again, I was in this place where I was like dating a lot and I was still looking for this person. And at some point in February, when I had this dream, he asked me in the dream, um, you know, to wait for him. And I said, OK, great. I'm not going to, you know, continue to go on date after date after date. I'm going to make space. I'm not going to go out here, um, you know, just to not feel lonely. I'm going to really focus on myself during this time and making sure that my intention is for this person I'm trying to call in. And sure enough, it was like, you know, three, four months later uh, when he walked into my life and it was so obvious because I didn't have all the clutter of all this extra stuff I was doing on the side. I had already made space and very much how um, Marie Kondo talks about, you know, like if this doesn't bring you joy, get it out of your life. Um, I was starting to do an energetic cleanse of my life and say, okay, what am I making space for? Um, I would like a new home. Okay. So that means me treating my apartment very much like if this was my dream home, what would I do to it? Instead of like waiting, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like you're making this space and creating that energy of like, okay, I'm making space for that. Let me open that, that part of myself up to, to make that apparent, to make me feel the feelings of having it now. So like it was coming, you know, it's like you, you ordered a package, you paid for it. So like now you just wait for it to come to you. Right. But if you're not home in the house, you can't receive the package. So what I mean by that is like, if you're not present if you're not in the now, if you're always worrying and running after, what if this, what if that, if this is not going to happen, then I need to have this to happen. You know, you're always in this worried state. You can't be in the house when the package comes. So it's not that you'll miss it, but you may delay it for yourself, if that makes sense. 
Yeah, so I figured that out. And that kind of like really shifted things and, and accelerated things in a, in a very fast way uh, that now I use for everything. So I'm curious because I, I get I get it with a relationship, right? So you're making space for a relationship, so therefore you don't date or you don't go out on dates, or you you know you you create that space for a, a relationship to enter. I get that. And I get I get the whole analogy about being present. So you know, otherwise you won't receive the the parcel. Um, I get that. I'm just trying to get my head around business. So when you're talking about business, are you talking about creating the space? As in, the example of you can't be working for one job because you're talking about photography. So you can't be working in one job creating your dream job because you've got you haven't created the space. But if you want to create your dream job with even the questioner, if that was my dream job, what would I be doing? Then to create that space is not by doing your photography. Is that correct? Is that is that how well, I understood it? How, how it worked for me is that um, I, I had always put, since I'm an entrepreneur anyway, um, this may not operate exactly the same for people who, who aspire to have a dream job working for someone um, because there are different uh, rules at play, basically. But I was already an owner of my own business. So that already took primarily up most of my time. And so creative energy-wise, scheduling, business emails, all the whole deal. And so when I was doing the the other business, uh, it was kind of on the side. I was giving whatever I had left to it. And so for me, it was a ratio game. Like I needed to be able to make enough space for that to come in and become more dominant. So I'm not necessarily saying that by making space, you completely quit the other thing, but you have to make enough space that there's enough space for it to come in more dominant, uh, at least in a ratio sense. Like if you look at percentages, right? So if I'm working 80% photography, 20%, uh, you know, card readings and so on, um, and I don't you know, let up on, you know, at least <laughs> to make photography 40%. So that way that, my card readings have a dominant, um, you know, position, if you will, or at least have space to become dominant, then I'll never shift that into that change. Does that make sense? Yeah, hundred percent. I think I had my mindset on, we've had a lot of uh, women on the show that talk about the passion project. So, mm-hmm. but they've worked for a, an environment. So they worked for, you know, like a magazine or, or whatever that, or a media outlet while they were building their passion project until yeah. they saw their passion project come to life and mm-hmm. uh, to the point where they were able to leave that security. Right. So that's right. why that, but at, at the same time, there's also some of the uh, other entrepreneurs we've had on the show who have taken the risk, uh, uh, jumped and not mm-hmm. knowing what, you know, where they were going to land or, or how it was going to play out, but they took the risk and it landed really well. Yeah. I think very much so that like either way, even with the people who are talking about the passion projects, you're putting energy into something that you enjoy and you're putting a lot of time into it as well. And so even if you do have your corporate job, which may even be on some kind of autopilot <laughs> for some people, um, when you're putting passion into that project, I believe that's the same thing. You're making space in some, some way or another. Uh, for me, I hadn't made enough space for um, my other business, for my podcast or whatever, because I was I was still thinking that I can't make enough money at this. So I need to prioritize this this other thing over the thing that I really want to do because I don't believe that it can make that kind of money. And when I came down to it, I was like, I'm the one putting the hurdle there. I'm the one saying that it can't make enough money. Why couldn't it make enough money? And when I finally got over that hurdle and started to shift the ratio, even just how I saw it perspective wise, um, I was able to call in like a, a, a massive amount of clients. I mean, the clients that I, I made from from that business bought this house. 
And so, and I couldn't make that kind of money doing the photography thing. So it was shocking to me to see, it was just a matter of a shift for me to see perspective wise, okay, if this is something I really want to do, I got to make it happen and not make it happen in a sense of like, I'm going to force it into being, but I'm going to allow it to come into my life in a really big way. But I had to open myself up to do that. And when I say open myself up by making space, you think of a surrender as making space. I'm opening, I'm allowing something to come in, come to me, instead of trying to force and will and push something into being. Does that make sense? A hundred percent. So you're not, because I think sometimes when we try too hard and we push, we push it away. So right. there's got to be that, that I, I get the whole, um, you know, you've got to, um, and, and that's an interesting, interesting concept as well. When you think about, well, I put it out there. I put it out there in the universe, you know, what I wanted to do, where I wanted to be, how I wanted to be doing it. Uh, and now I'm just going to surrender to the outcome. I think there's a level of I'm not attached to the outcome. But how does one surrender? Because it is all about action. You did talk about that. It is about action. How does one surrender? So you've put all in, in, into, like you've put it out there, you've, you've journaled it, you said you had a vision board. But how do you then surrender what, without action or with action? You have to come to a space, and I, in my belief, of neutrality, like divine neutrality. I am, I am okay with or without this kind of energy. And that sounds, um, you know, may sound counterproductive, but for me, when, especially when it came to my relationship, when I had so much expectation tied up with that desire, um, very much energetically, there was so much that was in fear or anxiety of when is it going to come? What's my timeline? When is this going to happen? There was a lot of doubts that would show up. Maybe it's not going to happen this time. Or I would meet somebody and it didn't work out. See, I knew it wasn't in the cards for me or whatever. You know, um, my, my base level narratives would show up in areas that I hadn't healed yet when I couldn't find a way to be 100% neutral about it. And like, while I believe that we come in with these desires and our desires are, are ultimately meant to be met, um, we often have these expectations that can prevent us from from really going, um, allowing the universe essentially to take the wheel. And so I tell the universe, this is where you need to go. <laughs> Here's the GPS. I'm going to fall asleep in the passenger seat. You you figure out how to get us there, basically. Um, but we're very much in control and try, trying to like predict how it's going to happen, when it's going to happen. We usually have some kind of timeline associated with it. If I don't get pregnant by this time, then this is going to happen. And because of that, then we end up uh, igniting a lot of our fears. And I think energetically, we end up pushing it away or delaying it in some way or another because there's not a lot of trust. And, and to me, surrender means neutrality. It's like I had to be unattached to the outcome of what it is that I was, I was hoping would come into my life, obviously as a desire, but I had to be in a place where I was, I was okay either way. Um, a good story about this that I have in my own life is that I lived in New York for some time, for a few years, and um, I was set on moving to Paris. I just knew I was supposed to move to Paris. I had all the signs. I did all the prayers. I had all the intuition, whatever. And um, when it came down to it, I had this very interesting timing where my lease um, was coming to an end and at the time that I was still waiting for my visa. So I didn't want to let go of my apartment before I knew that I was going to get my visa because I wanted to end up homeless. <laughs> and so um, I was waiting. So my landlords came to me and they kept saying, hey, like, you have to, like, let us know if you're going to live here for another year. And I was like, I'm still waiting to see if I got my visa approved to move to Paris. And they just weren't budging. So I did some meditations. I listened, you know, like to all the intuition. And I was like, all right, 
Um, I believe I'm going to get this. I'm moving to Paris. I'm going to claim it. That's supposed to happen. Da-da, we're done. Okay, I'm not going to move into this apartment. Here you go. You can take over the lease. So I let go of my lease. A few days later, I get my visa paper backward, and, and it says that I was denied the visa. I was rejected the visa. And I was shitting myself because I was like, oh my gosh, I just let go of my apartment. Someone else has re-signed the lease. I've gotten rid of all my stuff. I I have nowhere to go except back home to Kansas City. And I'm not sure what to do with this. And I felt almost even betrayed because I had just knew that this is what I was supposed to do. This is where I was supposed to go. This was my outcome. And then when I got back home, I was just in this like really fugue state where I was like not meditating, not praying. I was like, you know, fuck you spirit guides. You guys really screwed me over. And, um, I had one of my spirit guides come to me so loudly and say, why did you want to move to Paris? And I was like, because I wanted, I knew I was supposed to be there. That was going to be good for my career. It's going to be good for this. It's going to be good for that. And, um, she says, you're not being honest with me, but why did you move to Paris? And I still couldn't get there. And so she says, if you had moved there and in four years, you still hadn't met the man and had a child by then, would you have still felt it was a good idea? And I was like, huh? Yeah. Like if I had moved there and I didn't meet the love of my life and didn't start a family and didn't have this, you know, whatever the, these desires that I wanted, would I have still felt it was a good idea? No, I wouldn't have. And so she asked me, what, what's the real reason you wanted to move to Paris? And I said, in my mind, it was, I, I believed that it was my, my chance at love. Like it would be easier for someone to love me there than love me here. I'm a woman of color. I'm a woman of size. I have not had any luck on the dating scene in America, really. And all the people that I normally would date would be people that were foreign from other countries because I couldn't get anyone who was American to actually like pay attention to me. So that was my belief. And so she was like, we need to confront this belief that you feel that you're, you know, that you have to leave and go somewhere in order for someone to love you. And um, I ignored it for a little bit. It's just that they kept saying, this is, you keep asking for this person to come into your life. We're trying, we're trying to do that. But I was convinced that this person did not exist in Kansas City. So I hadn't had so terrible, terrible luck doing it here anyway. So there was this conflict between what I was trying to manifest ultimately and the expectation of that, how I thought it was going to come. So um, I tried to leave again, which is when I went to Bali and COVID happened and I came back again. And then, you know, here a few months later, I meet David, my partner now, um, we have this beautiful baby named Veda and, you know, the whole deal, all the things that I had asked for almost within the timeline of four years. Um, what she had mentioned, it was a little bit before that, um, since, since that thing happened. And so it was, it was kind of like an in your face, you know, from spirit, because it was very much them saying, you've kept asking to manifest this particular thing. You thought it was going to happen this way. We were telling you it's going to happen this way. It's still the thing that you desired. It's still the thing that you wanted, but, but you were, I myself was so controlling about how I thought it was going to happen because I thought it was going to be up to me to bring it into my life. And so I got it like a, you know, big old piece of humble pie. When I was able to sit back, I came back home and I had said forever, no, I'm going to meet, no, I'm not going to meet anybody in Kansas city. And then, you know, I, I met the, the best person ever at like, like the best person for me. Um, so, you know, like a lot of friends threw that in my face later. Cause they were like, you said you'd never be anybody here. <laughs> So it was very, um, it's, that's what I mean by like in this divine neutrality, you have to let go of that outcome. You have to let go of the way you think it's going to happen. Because even if you have a desire, something that you want the most in the world, you know, and for most people, that's security, that's safety, that's belonging, that's love. 
And those are, you know, our base human needs. We have to get out from under feeling that we need to control how it's going to happen and fearful that if it doesn't happen in the timeline that we think it's going to happen, that it's not going to happen because we're only, I think at that point, then kidding ourselves and then delaying our true manifestation. We have to be able to let that go. Oh, that is just gave me goosebumps, Alia. And you know, as I'm looking at your name, your name is Alia Lovely. There is love in your name. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? And you know, as you were speaking about it, it's true. It's whatever we believe about ourselves and the ability of ourselves. So whether I'm going to make enough money, what you were talking about, the hurdles, you know, whether I'm going to make money or whether I'm going to make enough money doing this becomes true. Because that is our that is that internal narrative that we are feeding, and thus we are then, uh, you know, almost. Well, it's not almost. The universe is always listening to every word we utter. So whatever we focus on, we're activating, right? So if just the mere fact that you you were saying to yourself, "I oh, will never find love here," mm-hmm. you're actually um, uh, manifesting it. But you know, the other thing, it's almost like a divine intervention. You really yeah. had this feeling and knowing that. Paris, which you know, I'm I'm right there with you. I've had, but I'm French. I've got family in France, and I have oh, this. Re- oh, yes, yes. I was born in um, uh, Briançon, uh, mm-hmm. which is probably close to Aix-Provence in the yep. south of France. But um, I've always had this calling of going back. But then I have this this inner knowing. Is that is that a, an, an inner knowing, like an intuition intuition that? I want to go back or is it in my mind that I want to go back? Like where is it where, and why do I want to go, want to go back? Mm-hmm. Um, and so this is the other thing too that sometimes even these knowings, you might go there or not go there because you didn't end up going there which took you back home but it, it took you on a different path. So you must trust the process. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, to me, for people who heard that story, like, I mean, I still think that Paris is in my story somewhere. Uh, I go there a lot for work anyway. And I was like, well, maybe we'll buy a house in the south of France and Nice or something like that, um, you know, later down the road or whatever. Maybe it's not the time for it to happen. Um, but often while you were speaking, I thought of a question that I get all the time is like, how do I tell the difference between my intuition and me making up and in my head and the difference between being able to to say that you're following something versus um, you know, you're following yourself in, in anxiety and control and just, you know, desire that you have, you know, whatever. And what I found was, is that my intuition always comes in neutrally. It's always, always very, very neutral. Um, when I have an anxious thought or an anxious desire or something along those lines, there's, there's a lot of emotional attachment to the outcome. And intuition comes in always so gracefully and so neutrally. There is no emotional, um, component to the outcome to that information. So for instance, when they came in and said, you should start a podcast and it should be called this. Um, I didn't have any real desire to start a podcast because I was like, what am I going to talk about? Um, Everybody's got a podcast. And so um, I didn't have like any kind of attachment to the outcome there. And so the more I started thinking about it, I was like, you know, I kept getting these nudges. It was like seven people in one week that were like, you should start a podcast. And I'm like, that's now the seventh time I've heard that. I think there someone uh, openly has said that it takes seven times before you notice something or listen or listen to something, even like ad work. Um, you see an ad seven times and then you maybe look it up or whatever. So it's true. It's the um, brain. The brain needs to see it seven yeah. times to to register. <laughs> so there's a that that brain bias that comes in is like activates and it's like oh, you know what I've heard this enough times. Like maybe it's something I should think about. And so that was very much divinely guided and divinely intervened. Um, I am a particularly stubborn person. 
And so <laughs> I think spirit deals with me in ways that I, I have been a little bit rougher as far as like things kind of coming in and coming out because I don't necessarily listen right away. But what I've noticed, especially in my late, later years, is that intuition always seems to come in very um, unemotionally attached to the outcome. And it's always like a just a, you know, maybe you should think about this. It's like a suggestion of sorts. With Paris, for me, I have I know I have a past life there. I very much um, I have affinity for the language. I've learned it, picked it up. Um, I'm not fluent in it, but I'm, I'm enough to be dangerous. And um, I just I've always gone there and felt like some kind of resonance, you know. But I thought about it. I said, would I have had the podcast? Would I have had the ability to be able to do as many readings as I'm doing now um, if I had lived in a, in a place where my language skills weren't as good? You know, um, I would still probably be pushing photography if I was there. And I, I think Spirit knew that I had a, I had a greater purpose. Mm, I love that. And it goes back to trusting the process. So I'm really curious, let's go into your podcast, which you also have a school called Spiritual Shit, the down and dirty of modern spirituality for your podcast. So talk us through what uh, is the podcast about? And for our listeners, what are they expected out of the podcast? I mean, um, do you give them tips and tools on how to become more spiritual or what kind of, yeah? We kind of, we, we cover loads. Um, I do solo episodes where I talk about what I'm going through and what I'm learning and kind of like a personal one-on-one, like teaching almost in some of the episodes. Um, and then I have interviews where I have people on who are um, usually experts in their field of whatever it is that they're doing. Uh, to give a few examples, we had somebody who came up about, on about um, money and spirituality, like how to how to do spiritual businesses. We had someone come on who talks about um, brainwaves and how your brainwaves can actually enhance um, your ability to see angels or, you know, like that kind of thing. And we have people, mediums come on, um, you know, just people talk about healing, somatic healing and, uh, trauma response, things like that. We talk about, um, diverse issues, um, underrepresented voices, you know, we kind of hit the gamut about the human experience, but more than anything, the podcast is meant to take, have a more modern take on spirituality and make it more accessible for people. Um, I do a lot of explaining in uh, terms and things like that especially when I go through my interviews when people are talking, because when you do get in this world of spirituality, it becomes like, oh, we know what an awakening is. We know what this is. We know what, you know, the lingo and making sure to break it down for people who may be listening for the first time. And so um, what they can expect is there's, there's a lot of, a lot of learning and a lot of leaving things open for you to decide. Um, because I'll never, ever take the stance of guru and, and that like, I know it all I'm, I'm in line with everybody else on this world on their journey of trying to expand their soul in some way or another and, and learn all the lessons. But it is very much a very grounded way to look at spirituality that is accessible, uh, for all of humanity in my belief. Mm, I love it. And what would be the most common questions you get around spirituality? Because spirituality has so many different meanings for so many different people. And like sometimes people would say um, or would link spirituality to uh, a religion. Uh, others would uh, link spirituality to an experience, right? It could be as simple as I had an experience and I felt this presence in the room with me. Or right. it could even be a spiritual experience of having uh, a cup of chai tea and having this insight of oh my god there is more of me than meets the eye Mm -hmm. so talk us through what exactly is spirituality so my answer is going to be a funny one because um i have always said that spirituality is humanity 
And, um, you know, we, we look at spirituality as the human experience, really, to understand that um, you're not just a meat suit walking around, that you've come here to earth school um, to experience all that you can in order to expand your spirit. And so anything that's uh, inquired in the human experience is a part of your spirituality. So whether or not you've taken the road down religion, um, which I did early in my life, and uh, and then did like a 180. <laughs> um, and then, um, you know, or if you decide, you know, like you started to like what you mentioned, awaken, like oh, there's more to me than just this thing. I'm not in this quote unquote simulation, as some people say. Um, and it can be also you interacting with, um, you know, the astral plane or the, the worlds beyond or entities that are, are, are not in physical. It's all of those things to me. And I think that sometimes we get a little bit pigeonholed in ways where um, spirituality is synonymous with like new age, um, or at least that genre of uh, what people are, are, are talking about what's popular right now. Um, but to me, spirituality is every aspect of the human experience. So suffering even is a part of your spirituality, the trauma that you've experienced. Um, what is it that you learned out of that? How are you trying to heal? Things like that. Like to me, it's all levels of spirituality. It's just that, um, my, my, my point has always been being able to ground spirituality to make it accessible to what, what do you think spirituality is to you? Because everybody's going to have a very unique experience on this journey. And so being able to open that up for people to ask themselves the right questions so that way they can make the answer for themselves instead of me telling them what it is has always been my goal. Um, so that way they can, they can redefine it for themselves and then thus take whatever steps that they need to, in order to get there. I started to, um, get in, like doing some writing around that because, um, you know, people are like, Oh, I'm awake. So now what, you know, they don't know where to go next. And it's like, do I dive into crystals? Um, do I dive into past life regressions or, or you know, figure out what star seed I am. And all of those things are great and fun and wonderful facets of the process of being able to discover who you are. Um, but I deeply believe that's not actually the focus. The focus is, um, to, to get your feet on the ground here and, uh, figure out, you know, what do you, what do you want to manifest in this life? Uh, what do you want to learn? Who do you want to be? Who do you want to come in contact with? What experiences would you like to have? And how would you like to heal? And that to me very much is the def definitive parts of your, your actual spirituality. Mm, well explained, Alia. Love it. So the, the other question I had for you, we're talking about your guides um, coming to you. Um, mm -hmm. And the reason I, I'm, I'm thinking about this because we did have another medium on the show who stopped doing readings because she was uh, seeing what was about to unfold last year. Um, mm -hmm. And I know that from lots of conversation that there is a higher purpose in order for what is taking place right now all over the world. Mm -hmm. Have you received any guidance from your guides as to what is taking place and as a way to give hope to the people that are listening to this show right now? Is there anything that comes to mind or is dropping in for you? 100%. Um, so I very much align with um, some people who may uh, look at Dolores Cannon. Um, she talks a lot about what's going on kind of right now. It's not my 100% belief. In fact, I actually had a download about this before I found out about her way, way back. Um, but this this uh, time particularly is, is a very high level um, catalyzation of our spiritual expansiveness. And so... I believe that we chose to come here during this specific time in order to take advantage of all of the lessons that would be available to us right now. 
And so while the world looks like a dumpster fire, <laughs> um, it was almost on purpose that we came here during this time, knowing that there would be loads and loads of shifts of old paradigms that would be falling down and new ones needing to rise up from that in order to help us advance as a, as a civilization even. And so um, very much so it's my belief that I came here on purpose. And then there, there are people who, who came in um, very much knowing that we're here to quote unquote, wake other people up. I hate that phrase because it's super trendy, but it is it essentially encompasses the idea that uh, we came here to get kind of ahead of things a little bit to give people hope, as you said, um, to understand and know that you chose to come here during this particular time. And there, there is nothing really to fear that every experience that you're having to this point, while it may be incredibly uncomfortable, is to the deepest catalyzation for you. Uh, to open up, to change, to look introspectively, to, to, to have new habits, to shift society, to shift thinking and consciousness as a collective. And so I very much feel uh, deemed as a part of that team, if you will, people who call themselves lightworkers, um, that, that there was a reason very much so that, that I'm here and that you're here, um, that we're here to do this work to help elevate uh, our, our consciousness as a civilization so that way those who are born after us and, and, and so on are not necessarily living under the same paradigms. If you look at our society, even, I mean, a lot of societies around the world, when we look at, um, you know, patriarchy, racism, um, you know, bigotedness of any kind of like inequalities uh, for, for lots of people who are LGBTQA and, and so on, like we are doing a massive shift in a, a way where all of these issues are kind of coming up almost at once. And it seems super overwhelming, but it's also very necessary uh, to unlock, essentially, the next level. And if you think of yourself in a video game, as I often do, <laughs> then you are in this position right now of having to kind of die over and over and over again until you beat the level and then, and then you know, rise up. So while it may be painful, it is incredibly beautiful process of your expansion and your purpose and those of you who are listening to the show probably in some way feel like I have a purpose here and I'm not sure what it is, or maybe you know what it is. Um, it's very much, I think more than any point in time, have we had so many people who understood I, I'm, I'm supposed to be here, not under some even millennial like bullshit or snowflake kind of, you know, they, they kind of say, oh, generation X thinks they're special or whatever. We are special. <laughs> like, everybody, you know, like everybody here who's here at this time is special, which in some ways makes us normal. But it is because we all came in with with a very deep clarity that like we're we're supposed to do something here. There's something else, and if it's been nagging on you, that there's a good reason why. Yeah, and I think I mean I'm I'm right there with you. I um I've said that many of times that we as souls signed up for this, and so we have to follow our inner knowing. Does it land well? Or no, not all the time. Because some people would rather blame than take ownership and go, "Hey, yeah, I did sign up for this." Because it's kind of like, um, you know, if if you give me that choice all over again, I would have said, "No way, I'm not going through this shit." But yeah. I think that, yeah, there is, there is that element I do. I believe that we all signed up for this. And whatever your purpose is during this time, if it's not evident right now, it will be soon. That's for sure. It will yeah. be. And I loved uh, Dolores uh, Cananova. <clears throat> I have seen quite a lot of stuff about her channeling um, oh, ETs, isn't it, that she was channeling? Yeah. yeah. 
which yeah. is yeah pretty cool. So Alia, I'm curious, what has been during your whole journey, uh, your your spiritual shit journey, uh, which mm. I love that name by the way. Um, what has been your greatest lesson learned thus far? Greatest what? Lesson. Oh, greatest lesson learned thus far. Oh, my greatest lesson so far was that um, I don't have to be afraid. And, you know, that's, that's been a really powerful one for me because there has been a lot of my life where I felt marginalized, where I felt like people are going to think that I'm crazy or people are going to think this or that or whatever, um, that I was afraid of even um, utilizing my gifts because it would open the door to evil spirits or, you know, there are always these fear narratives around me about me keeping myself small in some way or another. And uh, my biggest spiritual gift has said, you know, that's not what you're here for at all. Like you're, we didn't, we didn't put you here so you could play small, Alia. Like we put you here so you could do, do the damn thing. So it's giving me a lot of confidence. It's giving me a lot of space um, to really become my authentic self. It doesn't mean that I'm not dealing with my own demons still um, and, and, and trying to figure out like, you know, who I am as a person or whatever, but it's really helped me open up and stop caring what people think, stop fearing what people are going to do or say, um, stop fearing even, even, you know, what's happening on the spirit side. <laughs> um, because I am, I am a medium and it's something that I've been fearful of for a very long time and something that I'm really starting to tap into, in a really beautiful way that's that they've been able to give me guidance and, and lots of information um, that's been super helpful to the many people that we, we talk to on the podcast. Um, the podcast has hit um, 1.6 million downloads in less than two years. And so our audience just went like overnight in the last year. And all these people have come to me and said, wow, this has really helped me. And this really resonated. And wow, this has really helped me with this. And it's almost like I can't believe it because I was one of the most meek, <laughs> quiet, you know, like really afraid to step outside of the box for a really long time. And to be able to step into my authentic self, um, you know, really, really helped me get into a space where I understood, OK, this is this is what I'm here for. And I can't, I can't play small anymore. So that to me has been a massive, a massive gift in the lessons that I've learned. Mm, beautiful, Alia. And do you have any pain points in your business or even in life, like any pain points about any particular thing? And if so, how do you work through your pain points? Pain points, man. Mm. Um, so right now I'm having a lot of pain points with my health. And so I'm experiencing, um, I just had a baby and my body is doing all kinds of funky stuff that I am not okay with. <laughs> um, the pregnancy also was super hard, really, really hard pregnancy. And then the birth itself was incredibly traumatic. So I'm still going through mentally a lot of that trauma that I experienced through that process. Um, it really grounded me in a lot of ways. And now I'm having a little bit of um, needing to take my power back in my body, needing to talk back, um, to my body. And I don't just mean in like a physical sense, like I'm having a lot of issues where, um, I'm having to see a lot of doctors and things like that. And we won't talk about it, but, um, I was like, I'm not going to claim it. I'm just going to be in the space of, of understanding that like whatever hardships I'm going through that, that at, at least at, in some way in my platform, I'll be able to help somebody through something. Um, a really good book that I like is Victor Frankl's Man's Search for Meaning. And it is about a psychiatrist who watched the Holocaust from the inside, a Jewish psychologist. And so he talked about psychiatrists, I think. Um, he talked about how when people were going through pain 
And when they were uh, experiencing some of the worst atrocities that they could ever experience in their life, if they had meaning for their life in some way or another, like that there was someone on the outside that they wanted to get to or that they were going to help this person do this or whatever it was, that it made the pain bearable. And it made them um, to, to a point that, I mean, it, it, what they were going through was incredibly harsh, but it made them live for something. And so they, they were less likely to give up. So when he found that people who didn't have meaning to their life or didn't have meaning in what it, the suffering that they were undertaking, that there wasn't a goal past the suffering, that they died very quickly as soon as they lost that resolve. And so um, I look at that story and it's, a, it's something I think about often in my life that I go, you know, when I'm dealing with these pain points, these things that are happening with my health or whatever, and I think, oh man, this isn't fair. And I wish I didn't have to go through this and what an inconvenience this is. Um, that the ultimate meaning is that, you know what, I'm probably going to get a really badass lesson out of this. That's going to help a lot of people. And for me, that helps me suck it up. Not, not in a bypassing kind of way. I really deal with my feelings on that, but I go to a place where I say, okay, I recognize that I chose to come. I chose to be here. I chose this body. I, I know people who have stories of overcoming great, uh, you know, uh, you know, terrible things. Um, and, 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 and being better for it. And then some people who didn't make it out and whatever my story is going to be, obviously I don't want to, you know, leave this earth super early or anything like that. I want to watch my daughter grow up, but, um, you know, being in that place of saying, okay, I recognize that this, this is going to probably be a testimony of some sort. And it, it really helps, helps shift my awareness and perspective around what's happening. That feels painful. It's like, okay, I understand that this is going to have meaning to something in my life. And in fact, I feel from a manifestation point of view, it really shifts how, how things end up going down. You know, like we have free will here on this earth. And while we have fate and destiny and all those good things, there are definite ways and different paths that we can go down to find out and uh, different lessons to experience different lessons. So for myself, even on a perspective, uh, perspective, um, you know, shift, if I recognize that I know that this is going to help somebody, my experience is going to help someone, uh, what I'm learning possibly could help someone, then it's not, I'm not just going through it for me. Mm, I love that. And I do love uh, Victor Frankl, uh, Man's Search for Meaning. I love the way that you explain that. You know, Ali, I just went through something. I won't go into detail, but I went through something uh, myself. And um, I looked at it this way, and this is how I've dealt with it. And I think this is probably why I've healed so miraculously and so quickly and probably not as bad as what they expected. I looked at how did I create this? Because we talked about psychosomatic before. You mentioned psychosomatic yeah. before. And as soon as I went, how did I create this and did a bit of research and how to look at it? And then it, mine was boundaries. And so the moment I was able to go, now I get it. I've got to the point where, you know, I completely ignored it uh, to the point where it, it was, it's on its out. It, the way I look at it, if it hits physical, it's on its way out. It's gone through the spiritual, it's gone through the mental, it's gone through the emotional, and now it's going through the physical, that I was able to uh, start putting things into practice when we talk to boundaries. And I tell you what, it kind of like healed so quickly just because I also decided I no longer need you, I am letting you go. But I also surrendered to the healing. I gave that space, the, the space that we talk about. Um, I gave myself space, which was the boundaries, to heal myself. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, just as you were speaking, a, a little there was this the little voice of the, that whole you talked about that you had, there is in some point in time you have to let go and surrender. Yeah. 
Yeah. A hundred percent. Love it. Thank you, Alia. So as we start wrapping up the show, we always love to ask our woman of inspiration to pick one word that best describes your personal brand. What would be that one word for you, my dearest? Oh, my personal brand. Mm. Um, I would say authentic. Mm, love it. Love that it. Word for me very much is about like grounding and being accessible to other people. Mm, absolutely. I see that a hundred percent. And the last question that we always love to ask our woman of inspiration is to pick three shiny golden nuggets to give to our listeners. So what would be like three practical exercises for our audience? Wonderful. Um, so the first one is deep listening, deep, deep listening. And what I mean by deep listening is, um, when you sit in your meditation, however you conduct your meditation, you know, go about your business and do your meditation how you normally do, but then set aside, you know, a good five or 10 minutes to just deeply listen, make sure that your surroundings are really quiet. Um, it's when I get a lot of very, very clear, um, guidance from my guides. I make that my intention in that deep listening exercise. And I often very much get like, this is what's happening next. Or this is, you know, it's like insight that comes to me very clearly. Um, then the next thing is automatic writing. And it's something to practice that I do very often in my journal where I ask a question. And in fact, you can integrate the deep, deep listening with this, um, where I write a question and then I listen and then I write whatever comes to mind. And even if I, I can't think of anything or I'm not hearing anything, I'll just, I'll just write the same word over and over and over, whatever that may be, whatever's on my mind until something comes to me. Um, and then kind of go ahead and write that out and flesh that out. I often recognize that my handwriting changes when spirit takes over. And I noticed that for other people that I've talked to, they said that very much they've had this experience as well. Um, at first I thought it was just me and I was like, well, this is kind of weird, but, <laughs> um, it's, it's essentially allowing yourself to be open in a channel kind of way to get, uh, physical messages from spirit. And then, um, the overcoming doubt is kind of what I mentioned earlier. Um, but through the automatic writing exercise, you get a chance to practice without any judgment and you get an opportunity later to see how many things aligned with what came through your intuition. Uh, we have to stop questioning ourselves over and over and over and saying, is that me? Is it right? Is it wrong? Is it this? Is it that? And just open ourselves up to play with spirit um, to see, you know, get a chance to get it wrong. You know, it's just like a, let's see what happens kind of attitude. Because if you can do that, you remove a lot of the barriers and the, con you know, the conditions that we put in front of ourselves to make sure that we get it perfect. And I don't think that that's at all what spirit wants. Spirit wants to just be able to have this kind of open dialogue with you. And if you can get into this place where you are not trying to get it right, it will, I believe, remove the doubt barrier where it's like, you know, who cares if I'm making it up? It's my journal. It doesn't hurt anybody to be in my journal. So let's just like, let's just write whatever comes. The free flowing of information, I believe, when you remove that doubt barrier comes through like crazy. So when you're saying free flowing, uh, we're talking about um, when you talked about automatic writing, is that just a matter of sitting yourself down and opening yourself up and just writing whatever comes or do yep. you have yeah. a, do you kind of have a ritual in place to do your automatic writing? For me, it starts, I do my meditation first. Um, so that's why I said deep listening first, but deep listening can occur uh, within the automatic writing exercise because you would write a question and then listen. Um, but when you sit down, like a lot of times I see there are a lot of things that are over which ritualized or over magicalized, if you will. And 
I, I try to make, at least especially for my students, make it super practical. Like sit down and ask a question. Uh, should I quit my job? Right. And obviously, I don't think you'll make your initial decision off of that right then and there. But sit down. Should I quit my job and see what comes up for you? Because one, your initial real thoughts of what will come up, like your fears, um, you know, like what, what's stopping you or whatever, those like concessions will usually come out first. Um, and then spirit will be begin to, once you start to open up that free flow of information to yourself, be vulnerable with yourself about where you're really feeling, the rawness comes out. Um, I believe spirit then, for me at least, that's how it works, starts to take over. And then you start writing things about, you know, like, can, have you considered this or Maybe you should think of that or whatever. And it's very like gentle suggestion. Mm. So it's your yeah, nice, nice and easy. I like it. Very simple. Love it. So Alia, where is the best place for our listeners to find you? You can find me at thelovelyalia.com. Um, you can find me at patreon.com slash thelovelyalia. That's actually where I hang out the most because you can DM me there. And I have a lot of behind the scenes episodes and uh, we have monthly workshops as well. Um, and then you can find me on Instagram at thelovelyalia.com. And you can then find some of my lessons and things at spiritualshitschool.com. Awesome. We'll have all of that in the show notes. Alia, I just I want to say a big, big thank you for sharing your story and your wealth of information and knowledge. And thank you so very much for your time and your energy. Thank you, Catherine. It was great to be on. Thank you. Thank you so very much for listening to today's episode. If you loved what you heard and this topic really resonated with you and you think it will help others, please share the show with your friends to help us make a difference. And if you want to be part of our mission to help empower the conscious people of this world to learn and grow, then the best way to help us achieve this goal is by giving us a good review on iTunes or please subscribe to the show. The more subscribers, the better the speakers for the show, which then means more value for you so that together we can help the world become a better place. Don't give it another thought. Hit that subscribe button and help people get their weekly lessons. And when you do, please be sure to let us know by sending us an email to collect your special gift where you have a choice from six guided meditations or an ebook to soothe your soul. Now, if you have any questions or special guests that you would like to hear from, please send us an email to support at katrinplano.com.au and we will get right back to you. You can also follow us on Instagram or Facebook at Catherine Plano. Until next week, please take care of yourself. Much love and gratitude. Thank you.